0: Amen. You may be seated. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 1 Samuel chapter 18. And uh, what a wonderful time to be singing and worshiping God. I hope uh, it was a blessing to your heart. And uh, let me just say, as I say almost every week, that uh, singing is something that uh, prepares our heart now to receive the Word of God. It, It kind of prepares us to be open and receptive to what the Spirit wants to teach us through his word, and so uh, we're going to continue this morning our topic on relationships. We've been uh, starting this series uh, two weeks ago, and uh, we want to continue it. We we learned in the first message that relationships are important. They're important because uh, they're important to God. He created us to have relationships, all right, in our life, and He sees them as very important. In fact. He wants every one of us to have a relationship with him. And, uh, and so we learn how important relationships are. And this morning, I want to focus on the area of relationships, on what is a good friend. What is a good friend? First Samuel chapter number 18, uh, we find this. It reads, and it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. You know, the dictionary defines a friend as a person attached to another by feelings of affection or personal regard. Someone attached to someone else by affection or by personal regard. You know, in life, we all need friends. Life is very difficult to go through alone. So many things that we face in life are tough. We have situations and circumstances that, that we have to kind of go through in the course of your life where it's good to have a friend. Now, we know this, not all friends are equal. We may have friends in our life that we have affection for and love for, or maybe we're connected in another way to them, but not all friends are equal in our life. There are friends that we are closer to than others. There are friends that get us better than others. Uh, There are friends that we can share more of what's going on in our hearts and in our minds than we can with others. And so friends help us in the journey of life. But can I also say friends also help us in the journey of the Christian life. Friends are so important because they're, they're, they're people that in our Christian life will help us get through it because the Christian life is tough. Paul said to Timothy, he said, if you're going to live godly in this life, if you're going to live a true Christian life, you will experience suffering. There will be persecution. And sometimes we think of persecution as, you know, they're, they're wanting to make us be quiet, not share our faith, and taking away our rights and our liberties. But uh, there, the Apostle Paul isn't directly saying that exactly. He's saying it's, there's going to be difficult times, is what he was saying. There's going to be hard times in life, and, and a friend is someone that is there, someone that uh, gets you and can help you through those times. But there are people that we'll meet, there are people that we'll have as our friends in life that from the moment we meet them, we just kind of hit it off. I think if I were to ask some of us here this morning about your best friend and ask you, well, how did y'all meet? How did you come become best friends? For many of us, it was probably the moment that you first started talking with them and hanging with them. Right there, there was something that right away uh, uh, created a bond in between you two. Um, I, I remember hearing this story and, and reading about it um, in um, in the 1936 Olympics. Right, Jesse Owens uh, was competing as the American and. Um, as he was there, of course, it was during the rise of Nazi Germany. Adolf Hitler was there. The Aryan superiority was being taught, of course, there in Germany. That's something that Adolf Hitler believed. Basically, if you don't know what that means, it was that the white race is better than any other race in every other race in the world. And, uh, and so during that time, Jesse Owens, a black American, was competing in the Olympics, and knowing all of what was being said and taught there in Germany, knowing that the leader of the Nazi party was there watching and, and trying to prove uh, that the white German was better than every other athlete, he was getting a little bit nervous and He was competing in the long jump and uh, in the qualifying round, you had a, you had to a jump a little bit further than twenty six feet just to to uh, qualify for the next round. and as he was kind of working out the uh, the nervousness. Uh, from uh, his his body, there. One of the athletes that was competing, this German athlete by the name of Lud Long, came up to him, and he said, "Jesse, you should be able to qualify for this with your eyes closed." And of course, Jesse was a little bit taken aback at first by this. There was this guy that looked every bit the athlete. Uh, he was, of course, of German descent, tall, strong, uh, very athletic and and he was a little bit surprised that he came and talked with him and, and told him that. And he said, well, uh, I'm going I'm to try my best. And, and uh, uh, Luz said to him, look, I think your, your athletic ability is unbelievable. I've heard you and heard about you. He said, if I were you, I would probably draw a line a little bit before the, uh, the line that uh, you have to jump from. Uh, go a little bit further back and jump from there just to make sure that they don't try to disqualify you for some reason. Uh, or make something up, and, and he said, with your ability, you'll be able to, to, to do it anyway. You'll be able to qualify, and uh, and so Jesse said, okay, and, and he kind of did that, and, and of course, he qualified, and and then in the qualifiers after that, after they actually had the competition, Jesse Owens ended up winning with the longest jump. He beat this German, Luz Long, and he said that after that competition, Luz began to talk with him and encourage uh, him, and they, they kind of talked a little bit about being in the Olympics and what that meant and how they had trained. And, uh, and, and Jesse uh, said this. He said, um, uh, just in that moment, in those few minutes that I spent with Luz Long, we became friends. He said, um, you could melt down all the medals and cups I have, but they wouldn't be a platting on the 24 karat friendship that I felt for Luz Long. Now, he only spent a few minutes at that Olympic Games with him. In fact, Luz Long ended up having to be drafted in the Army and later died in World War II. Jesse never had another chance to talk with him, never had another chance to kind of hang out with him. But he said, in just those few minutes, we came together. It was an awesome friendship. Now, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there's someone in your life that you've been really close to, and you say, man, just a moment. We started talking, we hit it off, and we've been close ever since. If you were to examine the life of David and Jonathan, it was that kind of friendship. It was kind of a friendship that as soon as they got to know each other, as soon as they met, the Bible says their hearts were knit together. They were just like, man, two peas in a pod, right? And they were lifelong friends from that moment on. When you read in verse number one, you'll find that David was talking to Jonathan's father, Saul, who was the king of Israel. And uh, it was right after the battle of David and Goliath. David had just killed Goliath. And and so I guess Saul was kind of getting what happened and how it it went and, and all of that. And it says, and after he spoke with King Saul, he met Jonathan. From that moment that they met, their hearts were knit together. They were starting a huge friendship that was so important to both of them in their lifetime. Now, I say that because this morning, you've got a friend like that. And if you haven't met them yet, trust me, you're going to meet them. Because we all need one in our life. We all need a friend like that. One that we can knit ourselves together with. What I would call a good friend. But what are the qualities of that good friend? As I said, not all friends are equal. We can't share everything with all of our friends. There are some friends that perhaps are not maybe as trustworthy as others. There are some that are not really as encouraging as others. But there is going to be one friend that you're going to find that's going to be a good friend. There's going to be one friend that's going to be someone that's going to help you in your life to be on, stay on the right path and do what is right. And when you study the life of David and Jonathan, you'll, you'll, you'll see some principles about their friendship that you can apply in your life and find a good friend for you. So that's what I want to study this morning. I just want to give you three qualities, if you will, of what a good friend has, what a good friend can be for you and how you can be a good friend to others. I want you to notice, if you have your notes, first of all, that what made their friendship so unique and so good and made them good friends is that they had a common faith in God. The first quality is they had a common faith in God. See, both David and Jonathan had a tremendous faith in God. They were both people that in life had moments where their faith had been put to the test. In fact, one of the first times you're introduced in the Bible to Jonathan is in 1 Samuel chapter 13, just a few chapters before. And in 1 Samuel chapter 13, Israel's at war with the Philistines, and they've taken away all the weapons of the Israelites. And it's just Jonathan and his armor bearer. His armor bearer has nothing. He's carrying Jonathan's sword. That's the only thing they have. And, uh, and Jonathan is there going, we got to do something. We're at war. When you're at war, you got to fight. We, we, we got to do something. And, and at that moment, his faith is put to the test. And Jonathan learned something in that moment, and he knew something about God in that moment. And I want you to notice what it is in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse number 6. It says, And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Something that Jonathan had learned about his faith in God was that God can, can save him. God has power. In the moments of testing of his faith, Jonathan had found that God is powerful and that God was going to help him and give him victory. They had this in common between David and Jonathan. Jonathan was a man of faith that in the time of testing saw God's power. But you know, David saw that too. Uh, If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 17, I put it there in your notes, verse 46. This is David going against Goliath. He's fighting the Philistine, and he says this to the Philistine This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcass of the host, uh, give thy carcass to the, of the host of the Philistine this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David had found there is power in faith in God, and, and he had understood that power, and he had Felt that power, and he had experienced that power in his life. And now he meets Jonathan. The thing they had in common was, man, you have faith in God, so do I. Do you know a good friend will be someone that will have that in common with you? The commonness of faith in God. They'll be able to share with you how their faith has been tested and how God was shown to be powerful in their life. It's a characteristic of a good friend. Be weary of a friend that wants nothing to do with God. That doesn't know anything of the power of God. Be weary of that friend. I'm not saying you can't talk with them. I'm not saying alienate yourself from them. I'm not saying don't communicate at all with them. No. No. No, no, we, we, we are called to reach the world and, and to be a blessing to others and to serve one another. So that's not the answer. But I would say this, be sure to understand that those that are going to be good friends in your life ought to be people that have a common faith like you, that have understood and seen the power of God as you have in their life. Uh, we ought to look for friends in our life that have the faith of Christ in their life. That's why I always say I think the best friends that you can find in your life will be at church. Uh, People that have enough faith to come to church and want to hear the word of God and want to live the word of God and encourage you to do what's right. That's a good friend. You want to have that in your life. Uh, David and Jonathan had this close friendship, and they were a good friend one to the other because they had this commonness of faith in God. They had seen the power of God, but not only had they seen the power of God, they had seen God's presence. Uh, David and Jonathan knew what it was to walk with God. Uh, They knew uh, that what his presence was going to feel like. They knew the courage that he would give and the confidence that he would give them as they walked with him. Uh, You can see this in 1 Samuel chapter 14. You go a little bit down to the story to verse number 12. And it says, And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And then Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. He said, Hey, God is in this. God is with you. God, God's presence is going to be with us as we go and fight. He knew a little bit about the presence of God. It knit him with David. You see, David knew a little bit about the presence of God as well. In the time of his testing, you go up to 1 Samuel 17 when he's facing Goliath. Before he revealed and talked about the power of God, he told Goliath this. He said, this day, uh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 45. Then uh, said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. David said, I'm coming against you, Goliath, not on my own. I come with a presence greater than you and greater than me. His faith had taught him that God's presence is important, that God's presence is big. So Jonathan and David come together, they meet, and a friendship starts with this quality, a common faith in God. Both had seen the power of God Both had seen and felt the presence of God. Can I say it's the same for us today? As we build relationships in our life, as we look for friends that we can be a good friend with and knit our hearts together with, we must look for the friends that have a common faith as us. Now, there's a principle here that's very important that I want to share. I think I put it there in your notes, and I call this the friendship principle, but I guess every principle that I'm going to share this morning is a friendship principle, but it's this. We attract what we are, not what we desire. See, Jonathan had met other men and other soldiers. In fact, they say some commentators believe that the age gap between Jonathan and David could have been as big as 25 years. David at this time is probably 17 or 18 being the fact that he was not in the army, right, you could enlist at the age of 21. So we know he wasn't even 21. His brothers were at least 21 or older. That's why he went to visit them. Uh, you can read that in First Samuel 17. So here's this young man, 18. Jonathan, who knows, He's, he, he could be uh, as old as 40 or, or maybe older than that or, or a little bit younger than that. But here's an older guy. Jonathan had been in the army for quite a while. He had seen soldiers fight. He, he knew what it was. He, he knew uh, other people as he was growing up. He had other friends. But no one was knit to him like David. No other friend was like that in Jonathan's life like David was. What made the difference was this. Was there common faith in God and you always will attract what you are, not what you desire? And because Jonathan had walked with God and seen the power of God and felt the presence of God, he was attracted to another person that had known the power of God and the presence of God. And just upon meeting, the author says their hearts were knit together. They were a good friend one to the other because they had that quality in common. So this principle teaches us that you, in order for you to find a friend that walks with God and knows the presence of God, in order for you and me to find a friend that has lived and felt the power of God, we must have it too. In fact, you got to have it first. You better know what it is to walk with God and feel His presence You better know what it is to see the power of God in your life if you're ever going to have a friend. And I'm talking about a good friend that can walk with you and encourage you and uplift you. If you're going to have anyone that's in common with you that knows what it means to walk with God, that means you need to walk with God. We always attract what we are, not what we desire. Albert Schweitzer said this, I put this in your note. You notes in everyone's life at some time, our inner fire goes out. It's then burst into flame by an encounter with another human being. We should all be thankful for those people who rekindle the inner spirit. There's going to be times where their faith was going to be tested again, both Jonathan's faith and so is David's. But as you read about their friendship, you'll find this. They rekindled their fire for God for each other. In the next point, we're going to see that at a low time in David's life when he was doubting the power and the presence of God and his faith was starting to waver, that Jonathan came and encouraged him. In the relationships of life, you want to find a good friend, you want to be a good friend, have a walk with God, have faith in God. And look for those that, that walk with God as well. I want you to notice a second quality, not only a common faith that they had in God, but a constant love for one another. You see, in verse number three, there's a covenant that is made. Now, covenants were to be held on to after they were made. It was a promise of the highest order. When you made a covenant with someone in the Old Testament, it wasn't just like a, a, a fleeing thing. It wasn't like a temporary thing, and it wasn't a light thing. Right? Sometimes we we can uh, we can say things lightly, like "Man, I really love you, man." Right? There was a commercial. You remember that? There was a alcohol, a beer commercial years ago. "I love you, man." I don't know if it was like Bud Light or something. And we use those words so I don't know. You could almost say with no depth to it, no reality or truth behind it. It's just words you say to people. I mean, hey, if you drink the same beer as me, I love you, man. But there's something different when you find that good friend. One that's walking with God. One that knows his presence because it creates a constant love for one another. Uh, See, in this friendship between... David and Jonathan, there was there was this covenant made, this promise that were that was made that was more than just passing words, something profound, a pledge that was very serious. And I and I want you to notice that this covenant required of of them that they were to be friends that showed love at all times, in every situation and uh, in every circumstance. They they were going to have that love for one another. Their friendship was going to. Uh, hold true. In other words, they weren't going to be just fair-weathered friends. You know what I mean? Like, hey, as long as you're going up in the company, we can be friends. As long as you're uh, ready to hang out with me, then we can be friends. As long as you're still giving me and and doing what I want you to do, we can still be friends. it, It was deeper than that. The constant love that they had for one another was one that was going to hold true at all times, in the good times of life, but also in the bad times of life. We can see this, as I said, in in David's life when Saul was hunting him. Jonathan's dad was there trying to kill David so that Jonathan could be the next king. See, Saul had figured out that David was going to be the next king. The prophet Samuel said, God has chosen a man after his own heart to follow after you and taking the kingdom away from your family. Of course, at that time, Samuel never told Saul that it was David. But Saul figured it out. Saul could recognize someone that has been walking with God and had the power of God. And Saul knew what was coming, and he, and he thought, man, I can, I can change all that. And, and he was trying to kill David just so his son Jonathan could be uh, the next king. And in that time of David's life, he was on the, on the run for at least 10 years, maybe more. As he's running away from Saul and just trying to survive, Jonathan hears where he's hiding. And he comes to David and notice what he does. Uh, it says there in 1 Samuel 23, 15 and 16, and David saw that Saul was come to seek out his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood and Jonathan, Saul's son, arose And went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. That's a true friend. That's a good friend. David, you're going through a really tough time. I can see that. I know that. And it wasn't, oh, David, just, you know, man up. Oh, David, quit whining. Hey, uh, David, it wasn't any excuse making. It wasn't anything accusatory. It was just, hey, David, I just want to remind you what God says. He promised you're going to be king. Listen, dad can search all over. He ain't going to find you. You have the power of the Almighty over you, protecting you, providing for you. David, you're going to be okay. I imagine, of course, it doesn't give us all their conversation, but I I would imagine in that time that David was saying, well, man, I'm moving from here to here, and and my family, I've had to move them. Your your dad's going after my family now, and I've had to hide them in different cities, and man, I just feel like I'm on the run, and, and you know, God has said this, but man... That was five years ago. Hey, hey, Jonathan, you ever you ever felt like God's not there no more? You ever feel like he's gone? Jonathan, I'm I'm going through that. Jonathan didn't say, yeah, I know. What is God's problem? I guess God loves me more than you, Dave. No. The Bible says Jonathan strengthened his hand in the Lord. And Jonathan said it. I'm a friend at all times. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loveth at all times. There's a constant love there in that friendship. You see, a a good friend is there in the good times and in the bad. And we all need a friend like that. We all need one that is there for us at difficult times. The times when we feel lost and hopeless, we just need a friend. Sometimes just to give us a hug. Now, you ever had those friends? We, we, I'm sure you've had them just like me. We've got some friends that want to preach us a message when we're going through hopelessness. And I appreciate the heart. But sometimes when you're in a hopeless state, all you need is a hug, right? You don't need a sermon. You don't need a Facebook post telling you the whole thing. Sometimes just a text that says, I love you, man. It's good enough. A good friend's not always trying to straighten out everything that's wrong in your life. They're just there. They're just there to remind you. Hey, man, I know it seems pretty messed up now, but God's not done. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. I know it seems really dark right now, but you're going to make it. We need a friend like that. Helen Keller said this. She said, walking with a friend in the dark is better than walking alone in the light. It's good to have a friend that loves at all times, but can I also say that they were friends that showed commitment at all times, not just love for one another, but commitment. You see, David and Jonathan's friendship was constant because the commitment they had made in this covenant. The covenant wasn't just simply, I'm going to love you at all times, but hey, behind that, there's a commitment to do it, to follow through. In fact, the commitment was even seen after Jonathan was no longer around. After he had died and the Lord had taken him home, David didn't forget that covenant that he had made, that commitment he had made to Jonathan, and he was there for him. He was there for his family. He was there to to be an encouragement to him. There in 1 Samuel chapter number 20, you can read about that. You can read about how Jonathan... When his dad was angry at David, when his dad was uh, looking for David and looking to destroy David, you can find how Jonathan was there even in risking his own life. By the way, he stood up to his dad and he said, Dad, why are you going after David? What has David done? And you know what his dad did? He threw a javelin at him, a spear, tried to kill him. I don't know about you, but if you had a friend that was going to kill you for signing up for your other friend, you'd probably think twice. At least I would, you know. Probably stop and think, like, uh, should I say this? Should I not? You know, a true friend will stay committed to you even if it costs them their reputation sometimes or their popularity or their sense of coolness. Sometimes we, we think about teenagers and we say, oh, come on, it's just, just the teenage years. You, you know what? I have found that I do that and go through that in my 30s too. It's not just my teenage years that I struggle with wanting to be in and accepted. It's Not only in your teen years that you face insecurities, it's probably where it starts, but it'll stay with, all, stay with us all of our life. That's why we need a friend. A good friend that is committed David and Jonathan had that. They had that in their friendship and in their life. Can I say, as you look for a friend, look for a friend that's willing to commit to you, to love you at all times. Maybe you can reflect on your life and think about the friends that have, you had in your life. And let me tell you, the good friends have been the ones that have loved you at all times and the ones that have stood by you, just committed to you at all times. Now, let me just say, upon saying that, I'm not saying that if they're doing wrong, you help them to do wrong. It's not the friend that says, hey, let's go steal this. Oh, yeah, I'm going to join you because I'm committed to you. No, nah, I'm not saying that. A commitment to do what's right is what I'm saying. A commitment to stay faithful to God, to just keep plugging away and, and, and just keep your faith up in God, that kind of a commitment, that's the commitment they had. Now, there's a principle that we learned about this as well. Here's the principle. I put it in your notes. It takes a friend to be a friend. It takes a friend to be a friend. You say, uh, uh, Pastor, I, I don't have any friends that love me at all times. I, I, I kind of feel like the Apostle Paul. Everyone has forsaken me. Save the Lord. He's here. But other than that, everybody's forsaken me. And I'm not saying those are real situations. Maybe, maybe God puts you in that situation. But I, I have found majority of people I've spoken with that have said that to me, you keep talking for a little bit longer, and you find that they've not loved others at all times. That they have not had a commitment with someone else to keep them on the straight and narrow. But they want their friend to do that for them. Listen, it takes a friend to be a friend. You want to have good friends in your life? Be a good friend. You want people to love you at all times? Love them at all times. You know the reason we want people to love us at all times cuz we think we never make mistakes. And you can ask my wife, as a fourth born, I believe that. Right? Right? Babies of the family, we we know that to be true. No, but honestly, you that's why we think everybody can love me. And the reality is, man, if you have someone that loves you at all times, just remember it's because they've seen your flaws. They've seen your mistakes, and they don't feel like you've done a permanent job in your life with those. Takes a friend to be a friend. Let me give you the last quality, and we'll be done. That's a caring disposition. Look to verse number four, and it says, And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and gave it to David, and his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. Verse four, we see Jonathan giving what he had to David. Now, let me just say that this was more than just donating clothes. Okay? This wasn't like, oh, David, you, you, know, you, you need to up, update your you know, style. You're not trending the way you're dressing right now. Let me update you. That's not what's going on here. You see, in those days, doing what Jonathan did was an action of recognizing David's future. You see, the robe that Jonathan had was the robe of a king because he's the king's son. So everybody sees Jonathan and says, oh, that's that's the next king after Saul. Uh, He's of the royal family, and and that's how dynasties work. And so what he had, and the sword that he had was a royal sword. The bow that he had and everything, his armor was all royal stuff. And so when Jonathan is giving this to David, he's saying, listen, I know God made you the king. I'm recognizing that. I, I, I'm, I'm saying, listen, even though God's chosen you and he's taken that away from my family, I'm still your friend. He didn't say, I'm going to be angry at you. He didn't say, you know what, Dad, you're right. Let's take care of David. I deserve to be king. I mean, do you remember what happened when we were fighting the Philistines and I just went, it was just me and my armor bearer? He didn't even have a weapon. It was just me. I defeated all those guys. I should be king. Jonathan didn't do that. As a friend, as a good friend, he had a caring disposition. A caring disposition means that we're going to give up our rights. You see, I say they in this because even though Jonathan gave up his right there, in verse number four, we see David did the same thing. David did the same thing for Jonathan's sons later. You see, it was the practice of kings that when a new dynasty came up, that they were to eliminate the previous dynasty of the other family. And you had to do that for political reasons. You didn't want a, a, a faction going away. You didn't want civil war in the kingdom. So normally that was the practice that was done. No one saw that as wrong. No one saw that as what is he doing? it was just simply, look, you're a threat to my reign. You're a threat to my kingdom. Let's do that. And David had all the right to do that to Jonathan and his family, and he didn't. Once Jonathan died, along with his father Saul, David could have wiped it all out, but he didn't. A caring disposition says, I'm going to give up my right to what I can do. I can't just do what I can do, I'm going to do what I should do. There in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7, you see as David did that from Mephibosheth, You see, another thing was getting everything. Everything that was your father's. And we find that David gave up the right of killing Mephibosheth. You see, true friends care for one another by giving up their own rights. A good friend isn't one that tries to exercise and make you conform to their way of thinking and your way of doing everything. That's not a friend. We have a common faith, yes, but let me tell you, if your friendship depends on me dressing like you, probably not going to be very close friends, or me having to talk like you, or watch everything like you. Sometimes we come to church, and we want to have friends and make a community, but we want our community to do everything that we do, and if you don't, well, we can't really talk to them. Well, we can't really invite them to the party, because, I mean, come on, we have nothing in common with that. We violate principle number two, being a friend. We find that true friendship and a good friend will give up their rights, and then notice lastly, they give up their riches. Jonathan was given them an armor, a sword, a bow. That stuff was expensive. Not only was he saying, I'm giving up my right to be king and recognizing that God has chosen you to be king, I'm giving up what I, what I have. These are valuable things. These are riches that I have that I'm giving to you as my friend. See, good friendships are deeper and richer than money could ever be. A true friend is not one with a disposition that stops when it begins to cost them. Someone that really cares isn't counting All right, well, you're going to pay me back, right? No. They're ones that are willing to give up and take a loss. A true friend sacrifices and gives all they have for their friend. Herodotus, who lived in 484 BC, said this. He says, of all possessions, a friend is the most precious. A good friend understands that and knows that. David and Jonathan knew that. So here's the principle when we're done. This last principle on friendship is caring is proactive, not reactive. Caring is proactive, not reactive. You know what I found? That sometimes people don't have friends because they're waiting for them to give up their rights. Let everybody else give up their rights. Let everybody else give up their riches for me, but they're not willing to do it themselves. Listen, if you're going to be a good friend, don't wait for them to do it. You do it. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 24, 17, a, friend that has, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. It's this principle. Caring is proactive. I, 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 listen, I got this a lot. Maybe you did too. You know, during the pandemic, nobody texted me. Nobody called me. And I said, man, I'm so sorry for that. And I asked the person, how many did you call? How many did you text? How many did you go and visit? See, in their mind, caring was reactive. Well, when they do it for me, then I'll do it for them. Well, then you're not a good friend. That's not good relationships building. That's not good friendship. That's selfish. Then you wonder why nobody wants to be around you. Friends don't do that. The principle of caring is proactive, not reactive. Pretty simple this morning. Qualities of a good friend. Have common faith in God. You have a constant love for one another. And you have a caring disposition for one another. Not what makes a good friend. Can I say this morning, as you think about those that have been that to you? Can I encourage you, write them a a thank you note sometime this week. Call them up and just say, hey, I just just want you to know you've been a good friend to me. Thank you. You loved me when you didn't have to. I want to say thank you because you were willing to care about me first. Just, just, Just write them. And say, so thank for encouraging me to read my Bible. Thanks for always reminding me, hey, church is coming. Got to be there. Thanks for being a good friend. Not letting me just go off the wayside, but just be in there. Listen, first of all, be thankful for those friends. And the other thing I would, challenge you, I would challenge you to do this week is be that. There's someone that you need to care about that you need to reach out to this week. Do it. There's someone that needs love. Show them love this week. There's someone that's probably battling their faith. Probably going through a storm of life and they're being tested. And they just need to be reminded, hey, you're going to make it through. I'm praying for you. I'm with you. And there's probably someone that's experiencing that someone that needs a friend like that, I want to just challenge you. Display that in your life. Be a friend that loves. Be a friend that cares. Be a friend that encourages. That's what relationships are all about. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Father, as we think about the friendship of David and Jonathan. I think about the friendships that you've allowed us to have. I'm thankful this morning that there are friends that love us in spite of us. I'm thankful for friends that encourage me when I'm down and feeling hopeless. And they encourage me with the truth of your word and your promises and they remind me that life's not always going to be this way. Thank you for friends that are caring. That just reach out even though we've not maybe reached out to them but they're reaching out to us. Thank you for friendships, Father. So important. I pray that throughout this week as you bring to our minds people that, that need a friend as we we think about people that need to be encouraged. Help us to be that spark that rekindles their fire. Help us to be that kind of friend. Father, we want to serve you. We want to follow you. We want to be a good friend. Help us to do just that this week us in Jesus name.